Welcome to this episode of Louisiana's Got Talent, a podcast brought to you by the Board of Regents. I am Dr. Allison Smith, Assistant Commissioner for Student Health and Wellness. This podcast is designed to showcase visionary leaders, innovative ideas, and best practices around access, success, and equity for all college students, no matter your race, place, or zip code. September is National Recovery Month, National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, as well as Campus Safety Awareness Month. This month's podcast guest is Portia Gordon, who is the Director of Counseling and Health Services at the University of New Orleans. She is a licensed professional counselor and registered child therapist. The goal of UNO's counseling services is to assist students in addressing mental health concerns in a professional, unbiased, and objective way. Counseling services on college campuses are becoming a more critical student service than ever before. A 2022 student voice survey indicated that college students were over twice as likely to rate their overall mental health as poor at 22% than excellent, which was at 9%. Additionally, 70% of the students surveyed who accessed mental health counseling prior to college rated their mental health as fair or poor. Portia, welcome to the Louisiana's Got Talent podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. I will jump right into question number one. The needs of the mental health profession have grown significantly since the pandemic began in 2020. Can you share your journey into the mental health profession and why you decided to move from private practice to higher education? Yeah, so I started my journey probably like a decade ago at this point. And I have done a lot of working with organizations in the city and just trying to really figure out what I wanted to do when I went to school for counseling. And I found that a lot of people had trauma in their past and they didn't know what it was or it was going unrecognized. And then recognizing like the impacts that that trauma was having on people. And so that kind of what led me into the direction of where I kind of went for a majority of my career. I spent eight years working in a sexual assault nonprofit where I just kind of help build the program and help people recognize like what is sexual trauma, what does it look like, and then how do we kind of heal from it and kind of become our better selves from it. And so it kind of brought me into the higher education field was recognizing that college is that age when people start recognizing that they have trauma and they start wanting to deal with it or they start wanting to reach out for those resources. So it's a really prime population to kind of get in and kind of do that trauma work so that we can help them be better off in the future, help them be more global citizens whenever they finish school. Awesome. I have a follow-up question just from something you said, as you mentioned, college students are kind of around that age where they start to recognize some of the trauma. Have -hmm. you seen any generational differences with Gen Z and Gen I with their willingness to seek out counseling services? Yeah, there's definitely been a difference. We have a very large uptake this year, uptake this year for freshmen, incoming freshmen. That's like the majority of our clients right now. And I think it's because they've kind of grown up in a society that has been more open and more talkative about mental health issues. And so they've seen that it's okay to receive services, like it's all over their social media. And so it's kind of the thing that they know it's okay to do where past generations might've not had that same experience. So with those incoming students, freshmen, what types of services can students expect to receive at a campus counseling center? Campus counseling centers, we provide individual and group counseling. And 
outreach services. We do workshops on campus, and so that could be doing a workshop on like stress management to incoming freshmen or to a certain like department. Or we also do crisis services. So we also handle kind of any crisis that happen like during the work during the work day in our offices. So. Yeah, um, you mentioned stress management. What are some of the more common mental health concerns you've seen from college students, like across the board, more generalized? The majority of the students have come in with issues of depression, anxiety, grief, stress, and then social adjustment has been a large one. And I think all of these are also kind of impacted because we're coming off of COVID. So they're all kind of coming back in. This is like the first full year of having classes in person. And so we've definitely seen like an uptick of students is kind of having stress and anxiety around coming back on campus and having to come back into a social aspect with people where they haven't done that in the past few years. So I definitely want to ask you about that, the social adjustment piece. So you have students where this is going to be their junior year, where mm -hmm. they their first year, uh, 2020, then 2021, were, uh, had a lot of pandemic restrictions in place. When you mention the social adjustments, how, how do you think the pandemic has increased the social adjustment piece, uh, has impacted the social adjustment piece for students? Like you said, we have a bunch of juniors that are coming on campus that have never actually built those relationships with other students. And so this is their first time having to probably navigate an actual schedule, having to actually come on campus, actually figuring out where their classes are, building study groups, trying to build those real connections and actually getting involved with like social organizations on campus. And so they're coming in almost as freshmen, even though they're registered as juniors. And so like when we've been doing our freshman orientation, we did open it up to all of the students who was the first time on campus so that they can also have that experience because they haven't got it in the past two years so they were virtual. That is an awesome idea. And so some of the other colleges who may be listening who have not considered that, inviting those students who did not get that true freshman experience, freshman first year experience, inviting them into some of the programming and planning that we traditionally just relegate to freshman students, that is amazing. Right. So I will move into the next question. What are what role does stigma play around mental health and students accessing or not accessing campus mental health services? There has definitely been a stigma of people being told that you're supposed to be able to do this alone. You're supposed to be able to handle your own issues. You're supposed to be able to handle your own feelings. You're weak if you reach out to someone else. It's like they've been hearing those messages for so long that it's really hard to kind of reach out to someone. And then someone on campus, because sometimes they might be concerned, is someone gonna see them coming into our office? Is someone gonna ask them questions? Or is someone gonna find out like there's been a lot of stigma kind of around the idea of counseling services being connected to the rest of the university. So we see a lot of students will ask questions of, can my advisor find that these notes or can my professor see this? And just really kind of assuring them that counseling services does have their own confidentiality. So we're not that connected with the rest of the university. So no one else has access to what happens here because they really, they're kind of just used to that mentality of everything is connected because it's one university. And also we saw or see a lot of people not understanding that counseling services on the campus is part of their tuition. So it's not something that they have to actually pay for or go out of pocket from. And so it's a sort, it's a resource that they're already paying for as being a student here. And so it's something that we hope that they do take advantage of. But it's also that idea that mental health is supposed to be expensive. Yep. I totally understand it. I've heard some from some of our other counseling center directors that the 
awareness piece, students realizing that it's already included in their tuition and fees that they're paying for a service that they do have free access to you all on campus. Mm -hmm. um, do you see where more of uh, different student populations or different student groups are more, more or less likely to access counseling services? Yeah, like the students that we see more, like I said, this year has definitely been an increase in freshmen. But we've noticed like whenever you do more outreach to certain departments, you do start getting more referrals from those departments. And so where we've kind of focused more of our outreach to our people who've reached out to us to come to provide outreach for their departments, we do see an uptake of those specific students coming here. Also, it also depends on, does a student live on campus? Is it easy for them to get here? Like some people are on more of a non-traditional school schedule. Like our office hours are Monday through Friday, eight through 4.30. So they kind of have to work within that schedule if they want to receive services here. So sometimes we do see people who will go off campus for services because of that, because it might not work with their schedule. They might have like a very specific type of counseling that they need. And so it really just depends on kind of what the individual student is kind of dealing with and where they kind of are. You think about those outside factors. Like that. Right. Um, that's a really good segue into my next question because at the Board of Regents, our talent imperative is to educate, innovate, and collaborate to ensure that Louisiana prospers. Our master plan calls for an attainment goal of 60% of working age adults, ages 25 to 64, to hold a degree or high value credential by 2030. Are there any unique mental health stressors or challenges for students who are considered non-traditional on age? Yeah, when we start thinking about students that are more non-traditional, we start thinking about life in general, because life happens. And so in that time period from like a traditional college age student to returning as like a non-traditional student, life is still going on. So we see people who might have children, or they might have a job, or they might be trying to juggle their schedule. And so there's all these other factors that have to play into whether or not they can even like receive mental health services here or not but also those are additional stressors that are happening on their life. And so they're having to manage all of those and then they're adding school on top of that. And so when things start getting real stressful, one of the things that we see people tend to drop the ball on will be school because that's the one thing that they can out of the rest of their responsibilities. And so it's really trying to work with them so that they can have either it's like more flexibility in their scheduling or offering more virtual classes or virtual counseling or whatever it may be, just trying to work with them to kind of break down any of those barriers that we can to kind of get them the help that they need. And uh, a follow-up to that, I was gonna ask, what are some ways that campuses could do better to address those, uh, those students who cannot get to your offices between the traditional hours of 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m.? Yeah, like one of the things that we've kind of discussed here, I know some of the other universities might do is they might have certain days where they might shift their schedules. So they might offer sessions that are in the evenings. And so maybe offering sessions until 7 p.m., like one night or two nights a week could help kind of with that scheduling for people who can't make sessions during actual office hours. We also offer sessions during lunch hours. And so if someone is working a full-time job, but they're able to take like their lunch break, then we would be able to do like a virtual session. So that's one of the good things that came from the pandemic is that we've all kind of become well-versed in now doing telehealth and virtual services for mental health. And so now people are able to kind of have those services no matter where they are. So if they actually can't get to campus, they can still have a session or still have counseling as long as they can be in a confidential place. Gotcha. I do have a question since you mentioned telehealth. Mm -hmm. um, has the counseling center 
yours or any of your colleagues do you know of that have seen an increase in tele requested telehealth appointments now that students are able to come back in person to have appointments or do students still still prefer in-person versus telehealth? We've actually seen the opposite of it. We've had a major increase of people wanting in-person sessions now that they're back on campus, which makes sense because now they're here. Yes. And so if they're here and they can just walk over to our office instead of having to go set up a Zoom or whatever it may be. So we had probably about 75 to 80% of our clients right now are all being seen in person. That's interesting. That's the same thing that we've seen with other counseling centers that when telehealth was the only option, students were willing to use it. But when given the choice between telehealth and an in-person visit, students preferred in-person visits. Yeah, like telehealth is definitely something we're going to keep moving forward because it is such a helpful tool. And so we do see students who might have an in-person session, but then something might come up and then they, they're calling to ask to switch to a virtual session. So they like having that option and that flexibility to be able to do both just in case life happens. Absolutely. And I definitely think it's an accessible uh, issue of access for non-traditional students. Um, I One of my questions is, so for students who do not feel comfortable coming to con, con, coming to or continuing to come to the on-campus health services, do you all refer out to the local community? Are there established partnerships who you all work with in the community? When I started last year, we actually did some restructuring in our office. And so we actually added a position called outreach and referral coordinator. And so our outreach and referral coordinator is the person who builds those relationships with the outside community and kind of those additional resources for the students. So if we do have a student that needs to be moved either to outside counselor or prefers to see an outside counselor, we refer them to, to her. And then she helps them make those connections. And so she's worked really hard to make sure she had like a good list of variety between like insurances, sliding scales, availability, ethnicity, ethnicity and all of the things that people think about when they're thinking about what would be a good fit for a counselor. That is awesome. And if there's any help that our office can do to help facilitate some of those relationships in the greater New Orleans area, we would be more than happy to. Mm -hmm. And so I do have a question about one of the things we see from students as this generation has been much more open to accessing mental health services that students um, that the demand for counseling services has increased wait times. What are about average wait times on uh, college campus centers in general, maybe, or on your campus? The average rate wait time for most camp campuses is about two to three weeks. We've been able to kind of keep it down to about a week. Also, like it fluctuates depending on what part of the semester. Like we've been really lucky to have, we have four interns right now, graduate student counseling interns who are able to take caseloads loads that helps us kind of pretty much double our caseload that we could for just actual staff counselors. And so that's helped us a lot with being able to have more capacity. So we now have capacity to see about a hundred kids at a time, just between staff and interns. And so that's been a really big help of keeping down the waiting list. But I know other universities like might not have that option and they might not have as many interns, they might not have as many staff available for funding purposes, so they might not be able to have a turnaround that quickly. Awesome. And so for, for campuses that do not have the amount of staff capacity that you all have, um, 
what are, do you have any suggestions on ways that they could decrease their wait time, whether that's uh, quickly, a uh, quick referrals to external partners or telehealth options, or what other, what um, options may you uh, suggest to them? Some of the best options would be to start some more groups, like psychoeducation groups or just groups on campus, because that's an easy place to kind of refer students to that all have like similar issues and they can kind of go into the group until a space is available for individual counseling. So that way they're still receiving help. It just might not be on the individual level. Awesome. I do have a question. Um, you just piqued my interest right there. Mm -hmm. Have you all seen where students have entered, um, they've come into the counseling center, received services, but it's not necessarily a counseling service, um, direct in, um, individual counseling service they may need, but it may be the participation in some type of group stress management or time management or some other type of life building skill that would help students as opposed to direct individual one-on-one -on -one counseling? Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of transitional issues that have kind of been coming up with students. And so one of the groups that we've started this semester is an actual like social adjustment group. And so we're offering it once a week so students can kind of come and talk through some of those issues of maybe it's the first time away from family or it's the first time living alone or having to adjust to a schedule and a work schedule and like all of those different adjustments that happen when you start school. And so that might not be something that maybe specifically speaks to individual counseling, but it was definitely a need that we still saw from the students and that we wanted to be able to provide. So sometimes you might be able to offer groups that might focus on like a specific topic like that, that can kind of get more students than the individual work. And so you've talked about a lot of great things that are going on at UNO. And I know that we have some great things going on at our counseling centers around the state. How can we educate our campus communities about existing mental health resources? It's about getting out among the students and among the professors and the faculty and the staff. And so it's just kind of making them know that we're here and making it known that we're here. Like I said, we kind of added the position of outreach and referral. And so her job is also to do the outreach and referral on campus. So she is the one that's going to the department. She's the one that's reaching out to professors are like the intro classes for the freshmen to make sure that they know that we're here and able to kind of get in front of them and provide them just like a brief rundown of the services that we provide. And also one of the things we've kind of had to kind of work to overcome was like the past reputation, I guess, of counseling services. And so being able to let them know like, we've kind of restructured everything here, are the new services that we're offering. So some professors who might've had maybe like a negative experience in the past, getting them to understand that we're a completely different center now. And so now we're able to provide those services that they wanted us to provide for students. And so it's a lot of just kind of really just dispelling those stigmas and getting out there amongst the students and you said the faculty and the staff. Thank you. So as we close out our conversation, I think it's important that both students and staff understand what resources are available to them. What other resources, either local, state, or national, would you like to leave with our listeners? The main resource that I want to leave with everyone is a newer one, like 988, which is the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline. It just came about maybe, I think, like two months ago, but that's the number that is national and it's mandated or staffed 24 hours a day. And so that's probably the best resource for anyone to look out. Like it's 988 on any phone now. 
So it's the easiest way to kind of get connected to resources locally to you. Thank you for mentioning that. And we are, our office and the Louisiana Department of Health are absolutely pushing the 988 number. Um, we, I am very excited that we have a national number that is that short and easy to remember mm -hmm. that anyone, students, faculty, staff, or anyone can reach out to get additional resources in their local area. So Portia, these past two years of disruptions have taken a toll on our po college populations. The work you and counseling center staffs across our state are do is extremely important to helping our students and our staff thrive. Thank you so much for joining us for Louisiana's Got Talent. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Louisiana's Got Talent is a monthly podcast produced by the Louisiana Board of Regents. To learn more about our work here at Regents, please visit www.laregents.edu or connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening.